I'd like us to open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. I have some pictures for you today. Do you like pictures? So I'm going to, let's see, there we go. What I'd like to speak about this morning is something that God gave me, gave us, uh, Thursday night at prayer, and Pastor Kyle and I were here, and a lot of times, Thursday night prayer, I just get, like, God's message for Sunday. You know, we have these prayer times on Thursday nights, and they're always just amazing, because uh, I just feel like that we are just rocking the community with prayer, and we can see the results of it. And uh, we were praying, and I was thinking this thought, and then Pastor Kyle mentioned it in prayer, and I thought, I think that's Sunday's message. And when we look at Exodus chapter 14, and tonight we'll be continuing our theme about um, the last days, the book of Daniel. Tonight we'll speak about the Antichrist and Gog and Magog, and who they are, and who is the king of the north. And we're going to continue that, and there's going to be a lot more neat material. We're going to continue that uh, here this evening, so please join us. When we think about the the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and we think of the miracles of the parting of the Red Sea, and then later on with Joshua as uh, Joshua goes through the Jordan with the children of Israel into the Promised Land, we think of probably, that was probably one of the most amazing miracles in the Old Testament because of the size of the Red Sea. And there's been a lot of discussion, where is the Red Sea and what part did they cross and, and where are, are all of these geographical locations? And I want to hit those this morning. And I want to just underline this message. And I want you to remember one thing, okay? If you don't remember anything from this message, if everything is a blur... And just remember this one statement, that whatever happens to you and I is to promote us in the kingdom kingdom of God. Just remember that. Three months from now, when you're going through a hard time, just say, you know what? I remember Pastor Chris's message, that whatever happens to me, God has a plan to bless and to promote me. Next week, when you have trouble, when you have a difficult time, and you have you're struggling with something, just say, you know what Pastor Chris said? That the plan of God is based on his goodness and he wants to promote me in the kingdom. You know, when you're in a lot of pain, you know, I injured myself this weekend again. When you're in a lot of pain, just remember God's plan is to bless us and to promote us in the kingdom of God. Right? Just remember that. I want you to remember that. Three years from now, When you you want to give up the faith and give up the ghost, just say, remember that when Pastor Chris said that plan of God is good, it's based on his grace, and God wants to promote us in his plan. I want us to remember that as we look at the story of the children of Israel as they leave Egypt. This was an incredible event in the Old Testament, and I think that How many watched the old, old film back in the day, Moses by Charleston Heston? I remember that. Some of you you have like, who's Charles Charles Heston? You watch it every year? That was when they they made the good good ones. You know, those good olds. And I liked it because, um, although I don't remember much of it, I just remember 
him with the rod. I saw it when I was a little kid. When we look at the story of the Red Sea crossing, we want to remember a few things. I want to point out four things. It's going to be a simple message this morning. Now, the Lord in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 of the book of Exodus. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi Hathoroth, between Migdol and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. Now, remember, remember where we are in the story here that the children of Israel have, God has just devastated, literally devastated Egypt with ten plagues. The last one resulted in the death of Pharaoh's son. Okay. Because God wanted to have his people out of Egypt. And you know, remember this, when God wants to sanctify you and I, God will chastise the world around us until, until the world actually pushes us out if we don't ourselves want to be sanctified. God's process of sanctification is that way. It's really interesting that God's plan of sanctification in our life is not based on our moral ability, but really is God will orchestrate circumstances in your life and in my life that will literally push us out into a place where we have to trust God and trust his goodness, and trust his grace. And we know here that the children of Israel have been let go by, by Pharaoh. They are on the way. Two million, okay? Imagine two million women and children and men. Imagine that situation. Two million. They are just traveling. They're on foot, and they leave. And I, I have a little map here, and we can see here and my, I don't know if my pointer's working, but here we go. They leave here Ramesses. And this is, um, Goshen is the name of, not my wife. <laughs> Pastor Stevens met Goshen for the first time. He goes, oh, the land of Goshen. <laughs> um, and it's her story of her life. Uh, Goshen was where the Israelites lived, that part of Egypt and Ramesses was that part of Egypt where um, the, the Egyptians lived, and they migrated down to Succoth, and they are traveling now. Um, the Book of Exodus really explains how God leads His children, and remember, it's notice how He says here. Uh, for the for the Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are be, be bewildered in verse three. By the land, the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord's. And earlier in the chapters uh, that we read, we can see in chapter thirteen, verses seventeen and eighteen, that God leads. Uh, the children of Israel, not this way. See this, the way of the Philistines here? He doesn't take them that direction. That's actually the, the shortest way to get to the promised land. It's probably 11 days or even shorter. And if you, if, if you look at this carefully, I mean, you could, this was a very popular trade route. This is where all the, this is where all the commerce went. This is where all the trucks and 
you know, all the, uh, all the trains would go if they existed that day. This was the commerce route right there. This was where they would travel. But this is not the way God sent the children of Israel. Why? Because it says here that they were not ready to face battle with the Philistines. Where were the Philistines? They were right there. Well, you can see right there, the way of the Philistines. Today, that makes up the Gaza Strip. There are some Bible teachers that teach that really the people that live in the Gaza area, the Gaza Strip, are, are the descendants of the Philistines. But there's not really any way to prove that. But God doesn't take the shortcut with his people to the promised land. God doesn't send us the shortest way. When we go somewhere by car, we put in our GPS the shortest route with the least amount of tolls maybe, or the fastest way. And we would definitely go the way of the Philistines. But the plan of God in your life and the plan of God in my life to get us to where he wants us to be, to get us to that place of the promised land, to get us to that place where he begins to answer prayer, to get us to that place where he begins to promote us, is not a shortcut. There are no shortcuts in the plan of God. But rather, it's a, it's a beautiful journey. And why is that? Well, not because God wanted to torture the people of Israel. God wanted to take the children of Israel by a way where he would be doing the fighting and not the children of Israel. Do you understand? That's, a, that's the first point, and it's the major point. It's a, ma- a very important point I want to make this morning, is that God's direction in our lives is not the way of least resistance, but it's a way, and it's not the way where we are doing battle every day. When we wake up in the morning, it's not like, okay, now I got to do battle. It's really God is leading us in a way that really is going to give Him a lot of glory. And so, what do they do? Well, um, when we look at the map here, we see the direction that they go in, and um, we see that they that they are led they are led by God down in this direction, all the way down to a place called Etham. And down to a place which is called today Nueva, okay, on the Gulf of Aqaba. Now, here's where people get a little con- con- confused. Um, in the back of your Bible, there's probably a map that shows that they crossed right here or crossed here somewhere, the Red Sea. Okay? Modern archaeology archeolog- disproves that and just proves that that didn't happen. Not only archaeology, but the historical account of what really happened is not that they crossed here, but they crossed all the way across the Sinai Peninsula because it took them about two weeks to get here. And when they got here, it's described as a mountainous region and that they were were trapped or that they were in this mountainous area. It was called... It was described here, again, not through the way of the land of the Philistines that was near, but God led the people through a way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Where's the wilderness of the Red Sea? Well, that's right down here on the, on the bottom, right down here, the wilderness of the Red Sea. Now, um, when we look at the Gulf of Suez, which is called today in the Gulf of Aqaba today, this is actually the Red Sea. This is part of the Red Sea. So we can actually, when the Bible says that God brought them across the Red Sea. It's not lying, it's correct. But these today, in modern days, are just called different gulfs. And so, where we can pinpoint the crossing, it happens right here. 
across the Gulf of Aqaba. Now, why do people get this mis mixed up? Because they put Mount Sinai right here. They say this is where Mount Sinai was, and uh, where you know, or Mount Horeb, where God, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and they put it right here, which is actually incorrect. It's actually been proven that Mount Sinai is actually in Saudi Arabia, or the land of the Midian. And what is the land of the Midian? Well, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 25, Paul says, Paul describes Mount Sinai as in the land of Midian. And if you do the historical background check, you're going to find that the, that the land of Midian is actually Saudi Arabia. And so let's go on from there. So, so they crossed this vast desert area. And then in chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 that we just read, God tells them to turn off the highway, get off the highway, which led to a canyon which is now called Wadi Watir. And that's where this point is right here, where we were just looking at. Right there. I want to show you a couple photos of that. That area was a very mountainous area, and it had only one way to go. It was this pathway through the, through, the, um, through the mountains, and it's that right there. That is the pathway that they took. Now, imagine two million people lined up, and it says earlier in the chapter that God had, had them lined up in a special marching position, special marching order. And that marching order allowed them to travel through this very small, sorry, this very small area here. Today there's a road, but there was no road back then, and that's the Red Sea right there. Now, that beach area is very significant. I'm saying all of this because the way God leads us, there's no mistakes in the way God leads us. There's no mistakes in our life. And everywhere we go and every day we experience with God, it's already prepared and there's already something there. And there's a beach right there. And this is the only beach like this on the Red Sea. Imagine that. God gives the, the, the Israelites, Israelites a beach. God has a personal beach for you in his plan. Isn't that great? And as they travel... They land at this location. Now, see right here? I was having fun with this the last couple of days. Right here is where they are. They're racing through the mountains, right? And the Egyptians are now after them. And the Pharaoh says, hey, they went the way of the mountains, and now they're trapped in the mountains. There's nowhere they can go. See, the world thinks that, you know, the world and the devil thinks that they have cornered the believer, we, that we have no options. You ever feel like you have no options? I got no options in my life. I don't know where to go. And you know what? They can't even go backwards because if they go backwards, they meet the, the, the Egyptian army. So they're racing down this way. And the Egyptians, see the Egyptian fortress down here? This down here, this Egyptian fortress. That's where the Pharaoh was going to come and meet, meet these guys. They were going to come right down here and meet them at this fortress, which was already an Egyptian location. And this is, remember, along the side of the, the coast of, of the Sinai. This is where they are, right there, okay? So let's go back to our little um, 
our little our little beach. So they come to this place, which is today called um, Wadi Watir. And the Bible records the, re- the reaction of Pharaoh when he was informed of their deviation from the highway in verse 3, that they're lost in the mountains, that they're entangled in the mountains. And so what works, what looks good like for the world and for the devil against you and I is actually part of the plan of God, and God is drawing Egypt into their destruction. Traditionally, it's believed that the Red Sea crossing took, took place back in the, the Gulf of Suez, but we already covered that, and that there were no mountains found there. So when we look at this, the, the Israelites, by God's plan, were prevented from traveling any other direction but to this point where they were located on this beach. Now, this beach that we're looking at right now, that is the only beach that's like that on the coast. And it's a beachhead that's big enough to, to hold two million people. And so they're, they're waiting. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of evidence that confirms this, that, uh, that, they, are, that they really are at Migdol in, in Exodus 14, verse 2. And to the south, the mountains extend all the way down to the sea, thus preferring, preventing any further passage south. So they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't go south, and they couldn't go north, because they were gonna, if they were going to go south, they would hit unpassable mountains. If they were to go north, they were going to hit the Egyptian army. And so they, here they are, and they are all beginning to fear. And this is what happens to us in the plan of God. Many times when we face uh, the moments before God does a great miracle in our life, and you know, it could, take a, it could take some time of the journey of God in our lives to get us to that point where we find ourselves on this beachhead and we're waiting for God to move. And I think that sometimes we don't, we don't realize that we need to be spirit-taught, that we need to hear from the Holy Spirit and just get quiet before God and listen to what God has to say. Because miracles for God are not difficult. Miracles for God are very easy, and they just happen in moments. What's the hardest part for you and I? It's really the psychological things that we go through in our mind and our soul until, you know, up to that moment when God does the miracle. When you think of the miracles of God in your life, were they ever hard? Was it ever difficult, do you think, for God to do something? Was there ever a moment where God just was struggling to do a miracle? No. God's miracles in our life happen in a moment. But the hardest part of us in the process of waiting for that miracle is really the waiting part. Because we're going through a lot of things in our mind. What happens if God doesn't come through? What happens if the prayer is not answered? What happens if this aspect of the plan doesn't happen in time? What happens if this person says no to me and then I don't have the provision that I need? We have to remember that God has a divine schedule and that he is, he is leading us through these canyons and these narrow pathways because what he is doing is not torturing us. God's plan is to what? Remember what we said at the beginning was to what? What's God's plan? Did you forget it already? Right, to bless and to empower us. This is God's plan. So what is God going to do with the Israelites? He wants to bless them and empower them. But then there's a third thing that God wants to do. And this is the third thing that, that we can never forget, is that the, God wants to defeat the devil in, our, in front of our eyes. He wants to defeat our enemies before us. Amen? Amen. There are, does anybody have enemies here, spiritual enemies? I hope there's not people. But 
God wants to defeat your enemies, your spiritual, your spiritual weaknesses he wants to defeat right in front of your eyes. Imagine those things that you and I struggle with, doubt, fear, uh, anger, uh, personal things that we struggle with. These enemies that are in our soul that fight against us all the time. God wants to defeat those things right in front of you and I. Do you ever find yourself in a place where you're just like, you feel very defeated and you feel very embarrassed in front of a certain circumstance or a person? God wants to bring in victory and vengeance over our enemies right before our eyes. And this is what Moses says to them in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. As they're all gathered on this beach, they're all waiting there, and there's 10 miles of sea to get to the other side. It's the, some commentators say, well, it was muddy, and you know, it was just dried up at that time of the day, and they could walk across, and then suddenly it got wet again, and the Egyptians died. No, it's not what happened. The Bible describes the, 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 the Red Sea as a mighty sea. So there's no way to get around this with common, common answers. That This was a miraculous miracle. It was 10 miles across that gulf of Aqaba. And so they're there waiting. And it says here, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Three things, okay? Fear not, stand still, and see. Those three things, you know, what do they say uh, when you catch on fire? Uh, drop and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. Okay, let's remember this one. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Okay, just write that in your Bible. Next time you have a crisis, just remember. Exodus 14, verse 13. Stand still. Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Imagine the Israelites, they're there, and they, they can hear the thunder of the chariots coming down upon them. They're thinking of the mighty Egyptian army coming. They're remembering the whips on the back of their backs. They're remembering the torture and the difficulties. They're tired. They're two weeks into their journey, and they're complaining with, to Moses, and they're saying... That, um, that was there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to take us out, that we would be buried in the desert? And Moses says, for he will show you today a miracle, and the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them no more again forever. Isn't that beautiful? That's a promise. Let's just take that promise this morning, that there are things in our life that God wants to deal with and that we would never, we will never ever see them ever again. And when you look at the Egyptian, the, the Israeli history, we don't ever see them under the power of Egypt ever, ever again. This is a beautiful promise. And as the Israelites are standing there, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong wind. And this is verse 21. So what does God say to Moses? He says, Moses, why are you crying out to me? And I like that question because... Here's Moses. He is under the gun, too. I mean, he's under pressure. He is, there is some, you know, he's the leader. He's starting to sweat it out. And I think that sometimes as leaders, you know, the pressure's on. We can feel the, 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 the Egyptians coming. And we've taken, you know, our, our group to a kind of by a, by a narrow path. And here we are. We have nowhere to go. And then we cry out to God. 
And God's like saying, why are you crying out to me? Why are you, why are you panicking, Moses? And then he just says, speak to the people. I like that. He just says, speak to the people. And as leaders, you know, some of us are leaders in our family. Some of us are leaders where we work. Some of us are leaders in what we're doing. Don't panic. Just learn how to hear from God and speak to people. Because sometimes when we are not, when we are fearing and we're not standing still and we're not seeing the salvation of the Lord, we start yelling at people. And you shall see them no more again forever. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And so during the night, imagine that a wind starts from the east, okay, from the east. So it's coming from uh, the east, a strong wind, which signifies the Holy Spirit coming from the east, which was uh, Israel or which, which was Jerusalem, that speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus, got, when Jesus comes back again uh, at the end of time, he comes he, he comes from the east. We see this strong east, east wind all night. And as it's blowing all night, the, the, made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. And I want to, I want to point something to you that's really fascinating. When we, when we look at... Um, when we look at the geological uh, uh, topographical maps of under great bodies of water, which was not possible before until really recently with satellite imagery and things like that, we find that at this location, right where they were, right there, this is, that was that beachhead that they were at, there was a land bridge not far deep under the water. And it was right there. And it goes right across to the other side, which is now Saudi Arabia. Isn't that interesting? If you look at the maps of the whole Red Sea or the Gulf of Aqaba there, there's nothing else like that. And actually, this distance right here that you see from here to here, the width, is about one kilometer. One kilometer, which is what? How many miles is that? 1.6? I don't remember. Less. Less. I can always get that mixed up. I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. It's one third mile. What? Just about one third of a mile. So it's about a, it's about, uh, a third of a mile wide. Just wide enough. I can't get my fractions right either. <laughs> Just wide enough for two million people to walk across. And all night they're walking across this, this dry land. Isn't that amazing? The waters go up and they are crossing over. And as they cross over... The waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. I just want to make a point about that. Is that sometimes God, when he, when he kind, of, kind of puts us in this tight situation that we don't really have a lot of options, that's a great blessing for us because when we have too many options as Christians, we're going to wander off. Here we have these two walls of the sea, and they are actually a... The thing that seemed to be impossible for us as a believer now becomes a road and a way of protection. And they crossed, they crossed upon the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And as they go, the Egyptians, all of them, including, including the Pharaoh, goes in, or the Pharaoh's son, goes into the, 
uh, onto the dry ground after the Israelites. And their statement is that the God of the Israelites uh, has performed a miracle for them, but the Egyptians, we are stronger, and we're going to go in and go after them. And as soon as the the Israelites, uh, the last one takes his last step back onto the other side, uh, the wheels on the uh, chariots begin to fall apart. It says that they broke off, but really in the Hebrew it means that they begin to get stuck in the mud. And uh, they got stuck, and then the waters came down on top of them. There's about 200 feet of water. It was 200 feet of water that fell on the Egyptians. God parted 200 feet of water 10 miles long. Isn't that amazing? 10 miles long. That is, a, that is an amazing miracle. And the point I'm making here today is, is that when we doubt the way God's leading us, and God leads us in different ways. One way is he'll tell you directly what his will is, and then you do it. Then there's other ways where you don't know exactly what God's will is, but he's showing you signs along the way. And then there's the third way where there's just no other, we don't know what God's will is, and he's using Egyptians behind us to chase us down the path of God's will. And there's one of three ways that you'll find God's will in your life. And sometimes, sometimes you're going to feel like the Egyptians are always chasing you. But in God's plan in your life, there's a time when God wants to defeat them. Another cool thing about this whole subject is that on either side of the crossing where they crossed, there are these very interesting columns. And they were discovered in, in about 1978 by a guy whose name was um, Ray of uh, Ron Wyatt. And in 1978, um, he started, he was very curious about where these Israelites really crossed, and he, and he wanted to know the, the exact location. So he actually, according to the Bible, follows the path and winds up at this, um, at this beachfront where the Israelites crossed. And right there on either side of the sea are these two columns. One of them was not readable on the Saudi side, but the one on the Egyptian side was, was readable. And it, and it said this, it said, um, and let me just scroll down to where it was. It said, Egypt, Solomon, Edom, death, Pharaoh, Moses, Yahweh. And, and these are all words that describe the event. And so Solomon, we find out later that Solomon puts these two columns there to demarcate where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Not only that, they started to do some diving, and I'm sure that you heard about this or watched a commentary about it, documentary, that they found right in that location hundreds of just human bones, um, chariot wheels, uh, chariots that had been, that had been uh, covered by the sea, and, uh, and they can't, those, those items cannot be found anywhere else on the Red Sea. And so once again, we have a historical proof that the Bible is reliable, it's trustworthy, and that we can base our life on every scripture of the Bible. And I want to close with this. Very simple thing. Remember how God leads you. There are times when you think, you know what? 
I don't know, I don't know if I like the direction of things, the way they're going. Just remember that, that God is bigger than Moses. God is bigger than the Egyptians. God is bigger than people. God wants to bring his people, God wants to bring us, his church, into a place of blessing and promotion. And the third thing was what? What was the third thing we said? Blessing, promotion. What was the third thing? To kill the devil in front of you. Yeah, God wants to... <laughs> God wants to kill the devil in front of you. Yes, right. God wants to take our enemies and defeat them right in front of us. And so here are the Israelites standing on the beach with a beautiful east wind blowing that evening, or that early morning, and they're watching all of their, all of their Egyptian captors' enemies drown. And that's amazing, isn't it? That Red Sea really speaks of something that happened 2,000 years ago for us when Christ was in Romans chapter 6 baptized into death for us and he rose again on the third day. And this is really our victory in Jesus Christ that we never have to live in fear. Remember this, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Because the hardest part of any miracle is is that part of just trusting God. Because the miracle itself is miraculous, and we don't have to worry about it. I'm just thinking about Shirley and just some of the things that God has done with some of our people in this church. You know, God is part. How many of you had had a Red Sea parted in your life? And we're laughing, right? Yes. We're all laughing, aren't we? We all had Red Seas. How many have had more than one Red Sea in your life? We've had. <laughs> how many have had ten Red Seas? <laughs> How many are in the middle of the Red Sea right now? God is going to part our Red Sea. And as a church, God's going to do the same thing for us. You know, God wants to bless his church. God wants to lead us to a place where we grow, where we can be blessed and we can have a testimony. And God wants to see our enemies as a body. And, you know, as a Christian, we don't really, people are not our enemies. But we have an enemy that's the prince of the power of the air. And God wants to just, God loves just the defeating the devil every day in front of us. When you go to bed at night, just think about, wow, the devil got defeated there. He was defeated there. And he was defeated there. And you know, when I thought I was up against the sea, little did I know that under the water was a special water bridge that God created thousands of years before when he created the world. God's not making any mistakes. And if you find yourself on that beach today, if you're there at that place, and you're wondering what's going to happen, and you can hear the Egyptians come, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you.